Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. This evening, I invite your attention to the book of Nehemiah, chapter number one. Nehemiah, chapter number one. And I want to read a few verses throughout that first chapter, and then we'll go to Nehemiah, chapter two, and read the first four or five verses there. How many is happy to be in the house of the Lord this evening? Praise God. Nehemiah chapter 1 and verse 1, the words of Nehemiah, the son of Ahakaliah. And it came to pass in the month of Kerislu that the 20th year, as it was in Shushan, the palace, that Ahananiah, one of my brethren, came, and he and certain men of Judah, and asked them concerning the Jews that had escaped, which were left in the captivity and the concerning Jerusalem. And they said unto me, The remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem also is broken down, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. And it came to pass... When I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the Lord or prayed before the God of heaven. Verse 11, O Lord, I beseech thee, let me or let now thine ear be attentive to the prayer of thy servant and to the prayer of of thy servants who desire to fear thy name and prosper. I pray thee, thy servant this day, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man, for I was the king's cupbearer. I was the king's cupbearer. Let's begin with verse 2 in chapter 2. Wherefore the king said unto me, Why is thy countenance sad, seeing thou art not sick? This is nothing else but sorrow of heart. Then I was very sore afraid. And said unto the king, Let the king king live forever. Why should not my countenance be sad? When the city, the place of my father's sepulchres, lieth waste, and the gates thereof are consumed with fire, Then the king said unto me, For what dost thou make request? So I prayed to the God of heaven and said unto the king, If it please the king, and if thy servant have found favor in thy sight, that thou wouldest send me unto Judah, unto the city of my father's sepulchers, and I, that I may build it. I want you to notice something that stood out to me 
and uh, I want to preach from this subject right here in verse 11 of verse of chapter 1 it says for I was the king's cupbearer I simply want to use as a title tonight I was the king's cupbearer I was you know one of the greatest needs in this hour is for us to be able to recognize where we are what God has purposed for us where we are at at this moment what God has for us in our lives. Can you say praise the Lord? Amen. Let's pray that the Lord would anoint us and move in our midst here and have His way in this house. Would you pray with me? Jesus, I'm asking God that you would move and that your will would be done and that souls would be touched. God, I'm praying, Lord, that you would challenge our hearts here in this service tonight. I'm praying for a move of the Holy Ghost in this place. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, let's give thanks to the Lord. Would you give praise to Him? Hallelujah. Come on, let's give praise to Him right now. Hallelujah, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you for standing and you may be seated. I think it really goes without saying that the need of the hour is revival. As we look around at the conditions of our world, as we look around at the spiritual state that our nation's in, as we look around and we see and we understand the the climate that surrounds us each and every day of our lives, I don't feel like it takes someone that is super spiritual to be able to discern that we need a true apostolic revival in this hour. We really do need a move of the Holy Ghost. We need the restorative power of God to come and to minister and move among us. We need apostolic authority to be reestablished. We need the people of God to walk in dominion. We need the people of God to walk in anointing. We need the people of God to be sensitive to what God is doing. If there ever was a day that we need the Holy Ghost to be in operation through our lives, it's now. If we've ever needed church services where God is welcome to move in whatever way that He would so desire to move, and uh, work in whatever way that He so desires to touch our lives, I believe it's time now for us to yield to Him and let Him use us. And uh, step up and say, God, if you're looking for someone that's available, if you're looking for somebody that is hungry to be used of you, that really desires a revival, amen. I'm, I'm making a call here tonight. Is there anybody that is in this house that understands what I'm talking about when I say that we need an apostolic revival in our day. How many believes that God still is able to fill folks with the Holy Ghost? That God is still able to answer apostolic people's prayer when they pray? How many believes that God is able to do miracles through the hands of people that are right here in this room tonight? 
How many believes that God wants to shake this city, the city of Texarkana and surrounding areas, with a great and mighty outpouring of the Holy Ghost? I believe that God wants to do that. I believe that's the intention of God in the end time. And I think it's our, it's our responsibility to get on the same page as God and work with Him so that He can move to do what He has promised that He wants to do. Amen. And there's a lot of things that we've got to be willing to do to enable God to use us. I realize that, that God is, and we, we take this too far, but we, we often say, well, God is sovereign and God can do whatever He wants to do. And that is true. But I believe that God limits Himself in some ways. And I believe I could prove this through the Word of God that He limits Himself in some ways, because he has chosen to use people. He's chosen to anoint people. He's a chosen to favor and to lay his hand upon people, to use them to get his work accomplished. So he has to have people that are available. The Bible speaks of a time that he looked for a man that would take up the hedge Oh, that would carry the burden, that would fulfill the gap of responsibility. And he said he found none. The only thing that was inhibiting God, the only thing that was holding God back was a man to be yielded, a man to simply be available. Someone that would say, I want to be used of the Lord. Someone along with Isaiah that would say, here I am, Lord, use me. If you're looking for somebody to anoint, if you're looking for somebody to lay your hand of favor upon, I want to be used of you, God. Hallelujah. I don't want to be average. I don't want to be status quo. I don't want to just simply come and go from church and see no change. But I want to see revival. I don't want to just read about it. I don't want to refer to it as good history. I don't want to think about it as something that has already passed. But I believe that God has the power to send revival in this day. Oh yeah, I'm getting a little bit more folks on board with me. I feel my help coming on right now. I understand that there's folks in this place uh, when we say revival, amen, that excites us, that inspires us. We're thrilled about it. Uh, But when we go to talking about what it takes to have revival, sometimes that's when we get off the bandwagon. Because it takes us being willing to yield things to God and surrender things to God. And open up ourselves and say, God, whatever you want to rearrange in my life, whatever you want to reprioritize in my life, whatever you want me to give up and surrender to you, that's what I'm willing to do because I truly want to be used of God and see the revival that you have promised to send. Amen. I believe that God's going to use somebody in these last days. And the fact of the matter is it might as well be us. You need to determine in your heart if anybody's going to be used, if anybody's going to be anointed, if anybody's going to be blessed, if anybody's going to see God's power, I want to be a part of that. If anybody's going to see it fulfilled, I want to be a part of that. If any church is going to have it, let our church have it. I don't believe you're a respecter of persons, God. I don't believe that you play favorites, God. I don't believe you have special children, God. What I do believe is that if anybody has a hunger, if anybody has a thirst, you're 
word said that you would feel them. That's the only prerequisite here tonight is for you to get hungry. He said he would feel you if you were hungry. He would quench that thirst if you were thirsty. If you have a desire, that's what God is looking for. If you don't have a passion, you're not going to get much from God. If you don't have a desperation about you, you're not going to receive much from God. But I'm going to tell you, there's limitless power. There's bountiful blessings for those that can push on in and say, God, I'm hungry and I desire and I want for you to move. So the first thing that we have to realize in order to have revival is we have to realize the need for it. I think most of us are aware of that. I think the majority of us, as I've already stated, can see that there is a need. But more than just recognizing the need, we have to be willing to be concerned enough to do something to meet that need. We have to put ourselves in a position to be used of God so that He can work through us to fulfill the need that He wants to fulfill. I believe it's so imperative for us not just to say, I I recognize that there's a need and I'm willing to sit on the sidelines and let somebody else take up the responsibility of fulfilling that need. There's something quite uh, uh, alarming about that. And I want to warn you, that's not what I'm speaking of tonight when I say recognizing the need, just pointing it out. Uh, just saying, oh yeah, we need revival. We need a move of God. But we have to become engaged. We have to become participants in what God is doing. We have to become willing to say, God, whatever you have to do through me, amen, to see it come to pass, that's what I'm willing to do. Oh, yeah. Praise God. And as I've said, it sometimes it takes a rearrangement of our lives. Sometimes it, it makes us uncomfortable what God asks us to do. Not everything that we, we, we see God do and see God accomplish through our lives comes without a, a tremendous cost on our part. Amen. I realize there's times that he moves autonomously and I recognize there's times when we just have blessings that maybe come to us unexpected. But the most of what you receive from God comes as a result of you desiring it from him. Amen. And being willing to do whatever is necessary to obtain that blessing. Whatever is necessary to receive it. Oh, we got to get so hungry for revival. This is what we eat, sleep, and drink. This is what is on our minds and in our conversations. Everywhere we go, it consumes our lives. As I said last week of the Apostle Paul, he said, I haven't apprehended. I hadn't got all I need of God. But I could tell you this. I am am apprehended of. I, I have something that consumes me. I do have something that has gotten a hold of me. I got a fire that's burning in my heart. I'm like Jeremiah. It's burning in my bones and I can't keep from speaking about it. I can't keep from talking about it. The goodness of God, the potential of what God can do and how that he wants to move in this hour. Oh, somebody give him some praise right now. You gotta care. You gotta have concern. Amen. You can't just point out a need. You gotta have some concern. And the Bible says that Nehemiah was such a person. He really did care. 
when he heard the words of the condition of Jerusalem, his beloved city, the city that his forefathers, uh, that his, that his people that he, uh, had came from and been raised around where they were all buried and the city that he remembers as a youth when he hears that it lay in ruins, the scripture says that he sat down and wept and mourned for certain days. And prayer and fasting, the scripture indicates, was made. Uh, Jeremiah realized, oh, I, I, I don't know if I am the one that God is going to use. I don't know if I have the potential uh, to really rebuild the walls. I don't know if God will use these hands and these feet and if He'll use me to lead this charge. But I'll tell you what, I'm concerned about it. Let me just tell you, before you can ever get a call from God to do something specifically for Him, you've got to have a concern. And it usually starts with a concern. Uh, I know we, we've got illustrations of people like Jonah that didn't want to go, but uh, those are few and far between in the Word of God. Most of the time, if you are the one that God has placed a desire in your heart to do something, you're the one that He's trying to talk to and call to do that specific thing. Can you say praise the Lord? And so Nehemiah the Bible says uh, he was concerned. He wept. And this was not something that was just a passing fancy. This was not something that he grieved over for just a little while. And after about 30 or 40 minutes, uh, then he could dry his crying eyes and go on like nothing had ever happened. But this impacted him. And it lasted. This burden lasted. It showed up on his countenance. It was something that could be seen. It, it was something that was recognized by all that knew him. There's something that has happened there's something different about nehemiah something has changed in the heart of this individual now you got to understand that nehemiah had a very coveted position in the persian kingdom he was under the king artaxerxes who was uh, the ruling king of the persian empire that at that time had israel they had overthrown the Babylonian kingdom, and now it was uh, because of the Persians that, that they remain, Israel did, in captivity. And uh, it was Artaxerxes that was the king over the Persian empire. And this man, Nehemiah, had been elevated through the Persian kingdom to a very lofty position and a very coveted position of being the cupbearer. Now this meant that he would be the closest and most trusted man besides the king. He would stay right there in his company. If ever there was a cup that was passed to the king that was served to him, the cupbearer would drink it first to prove that it was safe. This was a way of them testing uh, because of anyone that would want to sabotage, anybody that would want to poison the king. This was a way of safeguarding him. This was a part of his security. And so this was a very uh, important position. He was close to the king. He was cultured. He lived every day there in the royal palace. He had knowledge of everything that was going on in the court of that palace. And even perhaps had influence with the king. 
and uh, maybe even the king at times, uh, noticing the wisdom of Nehemiah, would ask for advice. So this, again, was not just some peasant position. This was not just some lowly position, but this was a very important position in the Persian Empire. And he could have lived the rest of his life. He could have been comfortable doing what he had been doing and lived out the rest of his days. And and I suppose it would have been an ease. It would have been a comfortable lifestyle. And everything would have been just perfect for him had he chose that route. But when he come uh, back to the king's palace after hearing the news of Jerusalem laying in ruins, uh, even the king recognized that something was different. I'm going to tell you that large doors are just like life-changing experiences in that they swing on small hinges. That's right. You think it's going to be some catastrophic event that's going to change the direction uh, and the course of, uh, of a church or a city or a people or whatever. And I know that there's examples where sometimes that happens. But when it comes to spiritual things, sometimes it's a still small voice. Sometimes it's something that's easily overlooked. And if we're not sensitive to it, we won't recognize it. We won't even be aware of it. And it'll pass us by. The Bible says that when the disciples were on the sea in the midst of the storm, that the Lord would have passed them by. Had somebody not recognized that shadowy figure out there on the water, He would have passed them on by. Had they not cried out to Him and called for Him, He would have passed them by. Sometimes we don't recognize that God is moving in a thing if we're not sensitive if we're not aware and if we're not open and if our spiritual senses are not honed in to what's going on we'll miss what God is doing I'm going to tell you we're living in such a critical hour we cannot afford to miss what God is doing it may just be some small thing amen and others be dismissive of it but you better have an ear that can hear what the spirit is saying you better be aware spiritually of what's going on you cannot afford to take a night off you cannot afford to come to church and your mind be somewhere else you cannot afford just to let preaching roll out and and, and never affect you and never impact you but every time you come to the house of God you better hone your senses and say there's something that the spirit is trying to speak to me there's something that God is trying to do in the church service and I want to be aware of it you know that's one of the dangers of us being a long time apostolics and and being around the church the majority of our lives if we're not careful we can become uh, sort of a uh, you know, we, we can be discriminatory towards services. Well, it's just not, it's not really there tonight. It's not really happening like I'd like it to tonight. And we can become a little bit discriminatory towards it all and understand that God, you know, God is able to move and God is able to work in any situation at any time that He so chooses. But it's us that has to be tuned in to what He's doing. 
We have to be aware to what is going on. We have to be cognizant. We have to do whatever we've got to do to bring our attention back into focus and say, God, when you're speaking, I want to be listening. When you're trying to give me a word, I want to be receptive. I want to have my spiritual antennas up. I want to be able to get the frequency that you're on. I don't want to be somewhere else trying to do something else in my mind and not really be acutely aware of what's happening in the house of God. Oh, that's that's right. It's important because I'm telling you, even in a church service, I've seen things rock along. I've seen it, it feels like a struggle and a spiritual battle that has taken place. And then all of a sudden, it's just one little thing that causes the whole thing to turn. And if you don't catch that, you'll miss it the rest of the entire service. You, you, you'll totally miss out on what God is trying to do and what He's speaking. So it's important that we be hooked up with what God is doing. That's why that you've got to have a walk with God that is not just what you do here and the activity that you're involved in when you come to church, but you've got to have a walk with God that extends beyond just three services. You've got to have a 24-7 walk with God. You've got to have a prayer life for yourself. You've got to be able to get in this book and say, God, speak to me. Amen. You've got to have a spiritual mindset that you walk in each and every day for God to be able to speak to you like he needs to oh it's just it's just little it's just little hinges that big doors swing on and that happens in the spirit realm we understand that Moses is herding a few sheep out in the wilderness and it's just a, a small burning bush that most would have dismissed but he recognized something about this that was peculiar and as he extended his gaze in that direction he noticed that it was not consumed and he felt drawn to it and when he got there he realized that this is not just another bush burning in the wilderness this is not just happenstance but he heard a voice of the Lord telling him to slip off his sandals because now he was standing on holy ground and God spoke to him it was one man that God spoke to that that the whole future of Israel hinged upon the whole deliverance of Israel came down to one person being sensitive and hearing the voice of, don't tell me it's not important for you to be able to hear from God don't tell me it's not important for you not to be able to respond to the Holy Ghost Because if you miss it, it doesn't just affect you, sir. It doesn't just impact you, ma'am. But it impacts a whole lot of other people that are under your influence. Amen. That's why we've got to be in tune. We've got to be sensitive. We've got to be open. It was David that just one call home. Uh, he had been called out of the field to, to Jesse's house many times before. When, when they come and told him that Jesse wants to see you, this was not something that he had never experienced, but this was something that he was familiar with. But as he began to approach his father's house, he's seen that there was an entourage of people. He recognized there's something entirely different that's going on. I realize that there's, there's a, there's a certain amount of, 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 of decorum that is taken 
taking place here uh, because the prophet of God Samuel was standing there and when Samuel saw him he locked eyes with him and he took his horn of oil and unstrapped it from his shoulder and poured it upon David's head and when David felt that warm oil run from the top of his head to the sole of his feet and Samuel whispered in his ear oh he said you're going to be king one day son I'm anointing you to be king of all of Israel David recognized at that moment uh, this was not just another call to come to the house Uh, this was not just a messenger that came to deliver me some uh, routine message but this uh, was a moment in my life Uh, had I missed this moment uh, it would have impacted not only my life but the whole nation of Israel hallelujah such a small thing can can be missed. What I'm, what am I trying to do? I'm trying to drive the point home tonight that we don't need to miss when God is trying to move. We don't need to miss when God is trying to work. When the spirit of revival comes, you better wake up. You better, you better get your attention focused. You better key in on it. It's then that God wants to save people that you've been praying for. It's then that God wants to use you to reach people that He wants to reach. It's then that He wants to use your prayer. He wants to use the anointing and activate the anointing that he's placed upon your life to do exploits for him. Somebody needs to recognize, hey, God is moving in my life. Oh, somebody lift up your voice to him and let's praise him right now. It was just ordinary fishermen doing ordinary things, what they routinely done, had, had done every day. Uh, Simon Peter and Andrew, his brother, and James and John, the sons of thunder, they were just going about their business, casting nets and, and uh, doing the routine and going to the same places. Uh, but Jesus stepped on the shore of Galilee and he said, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. It was a moment. Uh, it was a moment that they could not escape. Uh, it was a moment. Uh, had they missed it, it would have impacted not only their lives, but their families' lives and the folks that they influenced lives. But because they made the most of that moment, because they recognized that this is a strong call from God, they were able to see a church established. They were able to see revival that is unprecedented. Do you believe God is a respect of persons? If that call goes forth, would you respond to the call that God has? ask for you and say, God, I want you to use me in this hour. Hallelujah. 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 Yes. This look like ordinary things. Sometimes it may seem like just an ordinary Sunday night, just an ordinary service, not much extraordinary about it. Not, not much different. It just seems Like the status quo. It just seems like the average. But don't underestimate. You take that one service when God begins to deal with you. You take that one service when God fills you with the Holy Ghost. You may have came to church not really expecting. Not really knowing. Maybe you didn't even know what to expect. But you came. And you had a hunger in your heart for God. But you didn't realize that it was at that service, at that time, that God was going to move. God was going to work in your life. But because you responded to conviction, 
Because you responded to the voice of God. Everything changed. Your life has, has entirely been different from that moment. Uh, that was one of those uh, uh, perennial moments in your life uh, that you look back at and said, my life would have been different had it not been for that night, for that, that call from God, from me responding to what God was doing at that moment. It was just one conversation that these men came and brought and engaged in with with Nehemiah that changed his life as they begin to describe how that the walls had been torn down and the gates had been burnt and the place of worship had been desecrated and how that the city that they all loved and and had enjoyed and been uh, raised in and had such such respect for had been destroyed and it was ravaged and the enemy had plundered it and when he heard this that one conversation that one that one message that he received from these gentlemen it changed his life and he said I've got to do something about it I've got to do something about it amen it changed everything about his life and so at the risk of losing his position or at worst even losing his life when the king noticed there's something different about you Nehemiah you're not physically sick but I noticed something about you emotionally I notice that you're under a burden. I notice that that something has changed about you. And Nehemiah, he said, I'm going to go for broke. I'm just going to put it all out there. And he began to explain uh, to the king what had happened, what he had heard. And he said... Well, what is your request, Nehemiah? What is it that you desire to do? He said, I, I'm not claiming that I am some man that is able or that I have the leadership qualities and, and I even have the skill to do this, but I can tell you I've never been so stirred. I've never been so moved all in my life as I am right now. And so I'm asking, making this request of you, that you would allow me to go and to rebuild the walls of the city of Jerusalem. I was totally astonished when I read this again. And I've read it, of course, many times, but there was something that began to stir my heart because we're living in a day and an hour where, where, where people are not responding to uh, the call of God like they once did. You know, I remember going to conventions and conferences in different places. And, and uh, when, when preachers would preach, you would have men that would stand up and women that would stand up in the congregation. And I mean, at that moment, make a commitment to go to some city that perhaps they had never been to before. Or some foreign land that they had never visited before. They were totally unfamiliar with it. But they felt uh, something pulling them. They felt something getting a hold. I'm going to tell you, if we're going to see the results that we need to see, if we're going to see the revival that God wants to give, we're going to have to get back to that, folks. We're going to have to get back to responding to that. We cannot just be so comfortable and so complacent uh, within our cozy little lives uh, that we can't hear the call of God. We cannot 
feel that drawing of God. Amen. We're living in a day and an hour where people are desensitized to that. They don't even, they don't even know how to identify with that. They don't have the concern that they used to have. Amen. Used to. Amen. Christians, when they came into the house of God and they made a dedication, a commitment to the Lord, their, their, their commitment was the house of God means more to me than my own house. And that working for God means more to me than my own job. It means more to me than anything else. Working and doing the will of God. I'm telling you, that's what built this church. That's what established that ch- this church. That's what has brought this church to this point. Hallelujah. Amen. Oh, yeah. They, they cared more about the future of the church than they did their own financial future. I knew my amens would probably dry up right there, but that's okay. Amen. It's still the Word of God. It's still what the Bible talks about. Amen. When, when people came to God back, back when I was a teenager, they said, I, I want you to know, uh, to their boss, uh, when they applied for a job, they said, I want you to know that I don't do Sundays and I don't do Wednesday night Bible study and I don't do prayer meetings and I don't do special services. Now they come to church and they say, I want you to know that if I'm going to be a part of this church, uh, I don't do Wednesday night. I don't do Sunday morning. I don't do whatever. I don't do prayer meeting. I don't do, I don't do anything extracurricular. I want you to know you're just happy. You ought to be happy to have. I'm going to tell you something. If we're going to see a move of God, it isn't going to come through that. I said it isn't going to come that way. We're going to have to get a burning zeal and desire and determination and even desperation in our soul that says there's nothing that means more to me. I'm concerned about the loss. Hallelujah. Come on. Let's lift up our voices to the Lord. Let's give him praise right now. And so that really brings me to my point. Nehemiah said, I must make a choice here and a decision here. I might have been in a very comfortable, powerful, cozy position that I could have retired from or lived the rest of my life in in safety. Security, a plush life in the royal courts of the king. But he said, I made a choice because I was, notice the past tense, I was a cupbearer. From this day forward, I'm going to trade this goblet in for a hammer and I'm going to work for God and I'm going to do the will of God and I'm going to serve the Lord whatever I have been in the past I'm going to be something different from this day forward I'm going to walk with God I'm going to do the will of God I want to be what God has called and ordained for me to be I want to fulfill his purpose in my life I don't want to be satisfied with just being status quo I don't want to be satisfied with just going through the motions and being being fe- feeling comfortable with being uh, uh, just, uh, just complacent. Uh, God, I'm praying you would deal with us tonight. I'm praying you'd awaken something within the hearts of people tonight. I wonder if there's people in this room that feels that urgency of what I'm talking about. Uh, hey, there's a city that live, that lies in ruins. Uh, there's a city that's in need of revival. There's souls uh, that are in need of God. Uh, amen. There's people that need God to work in their life and they need salvation and it's going to be you and I that's going to impact them 
Just stand with me right now all across this place. I feel a higher calling. A higher calling. Amen. I feel God is, is speaking to us in this room about a higher calling. The question was asked. Is these, Sam Ballot was basically saying, are these people for real? Are they going to fortify themselves? They're such a weak people of servitude. They've been beat down in captivity for years. You're telling me that they plan to fortify themselves to do such a great work? You're telling me that these little weak folks that, that don't have much skill, they don't know what carpentry is. They don't know how to do these things. They're not able to do this. You're telling me they're going to fortify themselves? Yes. He said, will they sacrifice? Yes. Oh, will they make an end in a day? Yes. Will they revive the stones in heaps of rubbish that have been burned? Yes. They'll use material that you didn't think could be ever used again. They'll build with things that you never thought could be useful again. And they'll use uh, implements and, and they'll use tools that maybe they're not familiar with. But they just have a desire in their heart to be used of God. They just have a desire in their heart to do something for the Lord. They're just willing vessels that says, God... I want to be used. I want you to put your hand upon me. So I want to do a work for you. So the Bible says in 52 days, 42 different working parties restored a 50 foot high wall with a circumference of four miles at the rate of 504 feet per day. And in 52 days it was completed. Why? Because the Bible says the people had a mind to work. That's the people that God blesses. Not the people that sit back and say, well, I'll let somebody else do it. I'll let somebody else be involved in it. I'll let somebody else take the lead in this. But somebody says, if you're looking for someone that's available, here I am, God. I feel the call. I feel the need. I want to be involved in revival. I wonder if there's anybody that wants to see a soul reach through you. In the remaining part of this year, we've got, we've got less than half of the year left. I wonder if there's somebody that would say, God, the highest call is not being a cupbearer. The highest call is not my education. The highest call is not, is not the things that I aspire to do in this life. It's not the job that I have. The highest call... It's not trying to secure everything from a financial future. The highest call is to be used of you, Lord. To be used of you, Lord. I'm going to tell you, you'd be amazed how quickly God could do it if everybody would get on board with it. Oh, yes, you'd be amazed how quickly God could work. I, I saw just a few months ago this church come together and give towards this building. You know what I feel like the Spirit is asking us to do at this point? It's, it's telling us, will you take it a step further and will you be used of God? And giving of yourself, giving of your time, giving of your talents, giving of your abilities and saying, God, use me to do a work for you, God. 
Use me to see God's souls reached and revival come. I want to see an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. I want to see your spirit move in a mighty way. I want to see revival come through me, God, in our church. Oh, yes. Come on. Why don't you pray that prayer right now? Why don't you reach out to heaven right now? Why don't you cry out to him right now and say, God, use me. Use me. Amen. I'm available, Jesus. Use me. If you're waiting for somebody to hear the call, use me, Lord. My greatest goal is to be used of you, God. My greatest aspiration is to be what you want me to be. That's where I'll feel most complete. That's where I'll be the happiest. That's where the most joy is, is doing the work of God. Doing the job that you called me to do.